This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. The Holy Spirit, we talked about last week, the Holy Spirit, how he was involved in the life of Mary, Elizabeth, Simeon, John the Baptist. We talked about him in the life of Jesus. So let's talk a little bit about how the Holy Spirit helped the early church. We see this typically in the book of Acts. One of the first ones in the book of Acts that is huge was he was instrumental in reaching out to the Gentiles. The early Christians, the early Christians were all Jewish and they, they, they were not doing what Jesus said. He said, go into all the world. They weren't doing it. They were actually just preaching to the Jews only. And so God had to somehow get this gospel out to the rest of us who are, well, I used to be able to say to the rest of us Gentiles, but once that DNA test showed up, that changed for me. But for people who did not have a Jewish background, that was, I mean, that's us. And so what happened was they, Peter uh, was in a city named Joppa. He was up on the, he was up on the top of the house, at the top of the houses back then were often where people would go up and kind of that was their, their chill spot. So he's up there and he has a vision. The Lord lets down a sheet three times. It had animals in there, including some animals that was against the law, Jewish law for them to eat. You know, the Jewish had all the kosher laws. Still, the Orthodox Jews still do have kosher laws, what kind of foods they could eat. So a voice said in this vision, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, not so, Lord, I've never eaten anything or unclean. And the voice said, what I've cleansed, don't you call common. So three times that happened. Then in Acts 10, we see 19 to 20. When Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, so he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Behold, three men are seeking for you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. And so we see the Holy Spirit, he, and he actually got Peter. And so he spoke to Peter very directly, very authoritatively. Go with these guys. Well, he goes down. He's got three Gentiles. He's not even supposed to go to Gentiles. He goes to the Gentiles' home. He walks in, and there's all these Roman centurion guy had all his friends together. It was a Gentile group. And Peter preached the gospel to them. And now it dawned on him, this is why the vision came. And he preached the gospel. And this is when we first begin to see the Gentiles coming to salvation. In fact, Peter got in trouble about it later on. This became a big issue in the early church. Early church had a problem with the idea that the Gentiles could actually receive. People who do not have a Jewish background could receive salvation. It was a big deal for them. And so in Acts 15, they had a big conference and they got together and the, the big deal was that, and here was the thing, they had a whole lot of Jewish believers who said, okay, you Gentiles. So they had people all over the Roman empire getting saved. They said, fine, but if you're going to be a Gentile and get saved, you have to be circumcised and you have to keep the law of Moses. And that became a huge sticking point for the church. You have to be circumcised. So it would be like me saying, hey, on Easter, for those of you who receive the Lord, we have a connect class and we have a circumcision class with Dr. Jones. <laughs> because if you're really going to be saved, you're going to have to be circumcised and then we'll tell you what the Jewish law is. So you can imagine that was not a good sell. That wouldn't sell now. It didn't sell then. And so it was, it was a big dividing line. And so finally, they got to the place where they, they begin to talk about this and, and, and James shared the scripture. Peter shared the scripture. And, and we'll go into this a, a little bit later. This is how good decisions are made. They say this in Acts, Acts 
15, 28. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. So what they finally determined was, okay, the Gentiles do not have to keep the Jewish law. They need to stay away from things that are strangled, things that have blood in them and sexual, sexual immorality. Stay away from that stuff. But they, did, they said it seemed good to the Holy Spirit in us. But I'm, the point I'm trying to make is the Holy Spirit was actively involved in the early church and they acknowledged that. It was the Holy Spirit helping them. They said, boy, it just seemed good to us. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit. That's another thing. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it again later. You can hold that thought in mind. But again, they're looking for the Holy Spirit's involvement in helping them make key decisions. We see the Holy Spirit's involvement in helping Paul know where to go. Paul just was off. He's going to places, very aggressive. He's preaching the gospel. And in Acts 16, 6 through 8, it says, when they gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they'd come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the, Holy, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. So again, what, he, what Paul was saying is, Luke who wrote this is saying, Paul's getting ready to go to an area. He said, and the Holy Spirit stopped him. I don't think the Holy Spirit jumped out there and went, no, I'm the Holy Spirit. No, you can't go. But the Holy Spirit, he had... You hear Paul talk about, I perceive. He had a witness. I'm getting ready to go. Have you ever done something or getting ready to do something and you just had something on the inside of you go, mm. we, we Today, a lot of times, we call it a gut check. You just ever had a, a gut check or something you just felt like, I, I don't know why I just felt like we shouldn't do that. We're getting ready to do that. But years ago, we were getting ready to build this building. And uh, man, I, I just, you know, if we had a need... I could not get any peace about building this building. And so, boy, we'd get ready to do it. We had drawings. We're about ready to launch it. And I just had no peace. They said, why? I don't know. But the Holy Spirit just stopped me from doing it. And so we didn't do it then. But when we did this last All Aboard campaign, extremely successful. We set a goal. We exceeded the goal. So God knows what he's doing. He knows the timing. Paul's getting ready to go to an area. The Holy Spirit stops him. He's going to another area. The Holy Spirit stops him. By the way, guys, that's a great way to get guidance. So oftentimes people wait and they sit there and they just kind of sit and go, I'm just going to wait for God to do something. Here's one of the best things. Get moving. Alan, I, I, I have no idea. I, I know I'm supposed to be in ministry. I have no idea. I'm waiting on God to show me what to do. Don't wait on God to show you what to do. Jump in somewhere. And as you begin to jump in somewhere, you're going to find out what works and what doesn't work. Well, and I, I just, I want to volunteer, but I have no idea. So I'm waiting for the Lord to show me. Just start. And it's a lot easier to steer a moving bicycle. You ever notice that? So, hey, let's talk job for a second. Man, I just feel like I need a better job. I'm asking for the Lord to give me a better job. Have you updated your resume? No. Have you looked anywhere? No. Okay. Well, at some point in time, if you want another job, I suggest you step out and start. Well, well, what if nothing opens up? Well, then you just keep the job you've got. This is not hard, but what if you begin to go and you, and you start going and, and, a, and a door opens and you don't have a piece about it? Have you ever had that happen? And you're like, I don't understand it. Everything looks good. Everything looks good. It's a good job. It's a good, I'm making more money. I don't have a piece about follow peace. Follow peace. But get moving. 
relationships. <laughs> oh, follow peace, follow peace, follow peace. Follow peace. Paul was moving. Holy Spirit, now, I, I, I kind of I ran through that quickly because I wanted to get to this part. The Holy Spirit's involvement in our lives today. I, I was thinking as I was driving up here, I was thinking one of the greatest assets we have is the fact that God's Spirit lives in us. That's a huge asset. But it's like anything else. We have to take advantage of it and we have to know what he will do in our life because he's not going to just come up and slap you upside the head and make you do something. God ain't going to do that to you. He ain't going to force you. He will guide you. John 16, 13, Jesus speaking, he said, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He helps us by offering guidance. Here's my point. He will always guide us in agreement with God's word. I'm going to say that again, guys, because it's real important. He will always, he is not going to guide you. Well, and I was in church and I saw this girl, man, and she looked good. And I'm thinking that that's my next wife. I'm, I'm, I'm going to marry her. Uh, well, does she know who you are? Well, no, no, she, she's already married. She's got a husband. Okay, Sparky, you did not hear from the Holy Spirit on that. He's, he's going to guide you in accordance with God's word. Man, I was at the store the other day and the, and the clerk turned around, left $300 on the table. I've been believing God for some money and there it was right there on the table. And so the Holy Spirit's leading me to take that. No, he is not. That's your flesh leading you to steal. You can wind up in jail for that. And then don't blame it on him. The Holy Spirit told me to do this. No, he didn't. Because God's words already said, don't steal. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? I've heard people say, yeah, the Holy Spirit just told me to divorce my wife and marry someone else. No, he didn't. And don't blame him for that. Because he's not going to lead you differently from God. It's going to line, does that make sense? It's going to line up with God's word. He's not going to lead you. This is one of the reasons it's important to know what God's word says. Because he's, he's got, and I've heard, listen, I've heard some flaky stuff. Some of the stuff I just told you, I've actually heard before. Yeah. People come off a 40-day fast and feel impressed to divorce their, their spouse who had done nothing. Why? Lord told me. He did not. No. <laughs> Wasn't him. And so we, we can't just wind up doing what we want to do and then blaming him for it. But he will guide us if we're open to being guided. But he's going to guide us in accordance with his word. He will guide us into all truth. He's the spirit of truth. He does not force and he does not push. Guidance has to be responded to. We have to respond. A lot of times what, what we'll find out is we're, we might be going in a direction and, and we just seem to be making no traction. For a long time, I never thought I was going to be a pastor. I really didn't want to be a pastor initially. When I came out of Bible school, I thought I was going to travel and teach. And I really 
I had no inclination to be a pastor. I've even had people come up and tell me, you know, I just have this impression in my heart that you're going to be a pastor. I'm like, I might smile and go. They, they leave and I look at Joy and go, nope. And so for a long time, I, I'm, I'm going in this direction. I'm going in this direction. I'm going this direction and things aren't happening. Nothing's going on. Ministry's not going anywhere. I, I, I told you, I said, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I, I'm, I'm, I, I preach for Pastor Osteen. I, I preach in his pulpit. He's a well-known pastor. I said, but no one's asking. No one is asking me to speak. That might be a clue. No one's asking me to speak. But what, what is is I kept trying to go in this direction and go in this direction. And finally, I just backed up and said, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. When you get willing, your, your hearing gets better. <laughs> a friend of mine, Keith Morris, has got a great little line. He said, you, you pick up the plan on the willing band old school radios. Anybody remember the radios used to have like a red a, and used to turn a knob? Some of you are going to have to Google this. Well, they, they, they had radios that you couldn't just digitally dial into. You had to turn the knob. And if, if, if you were trying to pick up one station, you had to turn the knob over there to get it to where it landed on the right station. I know you millennials are looking at me like, you're, you're out of your mind. No, it actually is true. It's true. But you have to pick up the right band. And so when we get willing, when we get willing to hear is oftentimes when we do begin to hear. Does that make sense? If, if you're just like, I ain't doing anything and I'm not going anywhere, you're not able to be guided. The Bible doesn't say that, that Jesus did not say that he would force you into all truth. He won't push you into all truth. He won't make you accept all truth. He'll guide you. One guy said this, and I like, he said, he said, the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. He doesn't make you do anything. He gives you options. And Jesus said, he'll, he'll guide you. He'll lead you. So when I finally just told the Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. And it, it began to, that's how we got here. I'm driving on, on uh, I-45. I and I cross over 336 and it drops in my heart. Church, Conroe. And I tell you something else that dropped in my heart. It's going to be a good one. Because when God does something, he does not do it halfway. And it, it just dropped in my heart, December 1995. It dropped... Man, I'd been praying and beating my head up against the wall for such a long time. Finally got willing. Here it came. Just got guided into all truth. And I knew it was Conroe. Went home and told Joy. I know where we're going. She said, where? We've been thinking Switzerland. I said, Conroe. She went, Conroe? Conroe. And I am so glad. To, to be here. Oh. Couldn't. Couldn't. Listen, if you've ever seen my home state, if you've ever been to my home state, it really is beautiful. North Carolina is absolutely beautiful. I went to college in the mountains. I lived in the, in the, it's a beautiful place. But you know what? 
Being where God wants you to be is the most beautiful place in the world to be. And when you know, man, I'm, I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do. I'm right where he wants me to be. That is, that's a winning deal. Oh, it's, oh I, I, I got to give a shout out. I don't do this much, but I have to give a shout out to somebody today because this lady has been married to me for 37 years today. And so I have to give, I have to give joy. Yes. That, uh, it's funny, we, we laugh. We, we, our, our schedule lately with, Chris, with Christmas, with, um, since Christmas, uh, with, with Easter and, and parents and, and deaths in the family and all that has is, is been real busy. And uh, so I got up this morning, I said, she told me the other day, she said, I didn't get you anything for the anniversary. I said, that's good, because I didn't get you anything either. <laughs> And we woke up this morning and, and uh, we, we, we gave each other a kiss and said, happy anniversary. And they said, you know what? We get to do what we love doing more than anything. She taught tonight in healing class and I taught on Wednesday night. I said, I'd rather do that than any kind of nice fancy meal. I said, I just... Oh, I just uh, so... So big props to my wonderful wife who prays for you guys a lot, who has such a gift. She's such a gift to this church. I don't know if you know it. If you've never heard her speak, I really suggest you make um, Mother's Day because when joy has a word, it's a word. It's a word. And I, and I know some of you come and look at me after she speaks and you just shake your head and you look at me like... Tell me again why we're having to listen to you so much. <laughs> uh, but but we, are, we are blessed. I, I, I kind of I gave you a scattershot tonight. Um, I kind of shotgunned this. But um, next week, we'll go at this again. And, and I want to talk a little bit more about, again, the Holy Spirit's involvement in our lives personally and what he can mean to us personally. Because you, you read in the Bible and go, that's great for Paul, but what about me? And the great news is, for you, is the great, and for me, is that the Holy Spirit is a huge asset. And he can guide us and lead us and warn us and show us things to come. And it, it, it's wonderful. It's, it's, he, is, he is a huge, huge help. Without his help, we wouldn't be here as a church. Without his help, we wouldn't see people making decisions for the Lord. He's the one who empowers He's the one that does things. He's the one that anoints. And without his help, we're in the deep weeds. But thank God we're not without his help. We got help. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you've given us the gift of the helper, the Holy Spirit, to live in us, to empower us, to teach us, to guide us, to help us know when we're making good decisions and bad. Thank you, Lord. You love us enough to put your spirit on the inside of us. And we are so grateful for that. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. This evening, if you came and said, and said you know, I've never asked or, or don't know if I have. Made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I'm not confident of that. Or maybe you're like I was. Grew up in church and just got away from God. And you recognize tonight 
you're away from the Lord and you don't want to be. You'd, you'd like to come back in. We're going to say a prayer. Not going to have you stand up or come to the front. But sitting in your chair right where you are tonight, you can have an encounter with the Lord that absolutely changes your life and certainly changes your eternity. Heads are bowed. No one's looking around. If that's you that I'm talking to and you would, you would like to get in on this prayer, would you just shoot your hand up across this auditorium and say, would you pray? Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Anybody else? Say, would you pray for me, Alan? Yeah, I got you in the back. Thanks. Appreciate your courage. All right, you put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand, but you really wanted to, this is a heart prayer. We're going to lead you. You join us. And we're going to all pray this together. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now. I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that simple prayer. But thank you, Father, because they've spoken, confessed Jesus as Lord with their mouth and believed in their heart that you raised him from the dead. They are saved. They are out of darkness into your light or they're back home. And we rejoice with that. Give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.